NRL teams. Will he or won't he play? We reveal if Tom Trebojevic has overcome an injury scare just three weeks out from the finals. Some big name bunnies are back in time for South Sydney showdown with Penny. A Raider makes a shock return as Canberra continue their push for a top eight. Craig Bellamy makes key changes to the Storm's spine as Melbourne chase a record 19th straight. Welcome to NRL Teams. I'm Neve Owens. Lovely to have you with us and I hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you're tuning in right around Australia this afternoon. And a very big hello and great to see you. Former New South Wales representative. Hello, Brett Kamali. How are we, Neve? I'm very well. We're missing you, mate, I though. Know. But thankfully, we will be able to see his noggin here in yes. the screen throughout the show. <laughs> Robbie Farrah, good to see you. Hey, guys, how are you? We're very well, but we do want to know whether or not we need that beep button at the ready over the next <laughs> half an hour or so. After another episode of Tiger Town, how are you feeling? Oh, you know, I turned into a different person on the footy field. <laughs> It's not my fault they decided to mic me up. There's there's some places a camera. Look, if, if you're going to mic me up on a footy field, you've got to expect some F-bombs, and that's what they got last <laughs> night. You, you certainly look like you enjoyed it, Robbie, being back around the football side of things, you know, being a, being a retired player but have that passion still for the club. It looked like you were really enjoying that role, and would you like to do it again? Yeah, I've been loving it, Naughty. I'm actually missing it, not being up there in the bubble with the boys. And... Um, you know, it really does scratch the itch of, of playing footy. You're out on the field, you're emotionally involved in the game. Just You just don't have to make 50 tackles a game, which is which is nice at my age. But um, especially at, at Leichhardt Oval, uh, that game that I was mic'd up for was at Leichhardt and it was my first time back out on Leichhardt Oval since I retired. So um, I think all the emotion of that probably spilled over and, and that came across on TV. They are such special moments. And I want to ask you both about some of those. When you think back to your um, youth, yes. and I'm not suggesting, Noddy, for a single moment that that is a long yeah. time ago, yeah. but we will see over the next three weeks games taken to a number of regional yeah. towns. And that is so super exciting for the young people in particular in those populations. Growing up in the Hunter Valley, yeah. what was it like for you when the Knights joined the NRL? It was the biggest thing that happened in my life. I say to people, that's where the dream started. Like, I was an 11-year-old kid, uh, you know, being in and around rugby league my whole life. I was a South Sydney fan. My brother was a Roosters fan. But all of a sudden, you've got a team in your own backyard. So to go and watch the Newcastle Knights run out the start of 1988, 11-year-old kid, it was the biggest thing that happened. A football team in your own backyard. So um, unfortunately, it doesn't happen too often now because teams pretty much are, are everywhere. And if we're talking about even an expansion team is going to go to Brisbane, which has already got two sides that play pretty close to Brisbane as well. So it's not like you're creating your own side in this passion. So I love going to the regional matches. And, and it just, as you said, it takes you back to what started a career for me. And for Rockhampton, Toowoomba and Mackay, Robbie, they've got games, some doubleheaders coming up. And that chance to meet some of the rugby league players that they watch on the telly each weekend and never get to be up that close and personal with. Yeah, I really do hope the, the footy clubs are allowed to engage with the communities in those areas. I think, as Noddy said, your, your love for the game grows from those interactions as a, as a young boy where you get to meet your heroes and, uh, you know, they might sign your jersey, you take a photo with them, and, and that's a lifelong memory and, and that's where the dream begins and, and you one day want to grow up to be in their shoes. So uh, it's a great occasion for all those regional communities up in, up in Queensland. Hopefully they can... Yeah, meet the players, they can get on the field and, and kick the footy around at full time uh, like like we used to back in the old day. And um, As I said, yeah, they really embrace uh, those communities and um, I think the next, you know, the next three or four weeks up there, um, the game can really, you know, 
really grow, especially if we're talking about expansion up in those areas. Super special times. So it's going to be about a big last three weeks as we head into the finals. Who had a big round in round 22? What's your three, two and one? Well, the bike that seems to be doing it pretty regularly. I think he's called Tom Travojevic. He's, got, he's pretty yeah. consistent at the moment. So he got my three points. Uh, pretty special he was on the weekend. Cody Walker got my two points and Dylan Edwards got the one point. So um, as you said, some great attacking football over the weekend and some, some beautiful plays and great execution. So Cody Walker and Tom Travojevic, I think you've got the best quick hands, you know, short pass when the defensive line's coming at them. So they're entertaining to watch. Robbie, does Tommy Turbo feature in yours as well? Because I have a feeling we're going to mention his name a few times over the course of the next half hour. Well, I feel bad giving him three points every week, so I thought I'd leave him out this week. Uh, I've I've gone with Dylan Edwards uh, for my one point. I thought Josh Curran uh, for the Warriors was outstanding um, on the weekend. He's, He's really developed and grown into a you know, a proper first grader this this last you know, month or two. And uh, my three points was Cody Walker, who, you know, for me at the moment, uh, when you're talking about form players in the competition, you've got Tommy Turbo and, and you've got Cody Walker, who's not too far behind. Both have had remarkable seasons. The Dally M's might be behind closed doors at this stage, but we can have a look at our NRL team's leaderboard. And as you can see there, Tommy Turbo way out in front. Remember the start to the season Nathan Cleary had when Tommy Turbo was out? And we were like, stop voting now, guys. Nathan Cleary's got this Dally M sorted. It's been an epic season. It has, yeah. If you think about where Manly have come from, they were a bad side for the first four weeks. Des was under pressure. DC was a bad halfback. And all of a sudden, with Tom back... uh, Every game that Manly would have won or have won, Tom Travojevic pulls three points. It's been unbelievable the form he's been in. It's been for a long period of time. And as you said, we were like, Nathan Cleary's going to win the Dally M and all this type of stuff. And then he gets a little injury setback and Tom has an amazing run of form. So it's so exciting. When you think about that Dally M race as well, Robbie, how similar do you think the Dally M leaderboard looks to ours? Because we know, you know, there's there's plenty of room for the others to try and catch up Tommy Turbo on our leaderboard at this stage. Yeah, I think we've definitely got the trifecta there. Um, I think they'll be the top three. Uh, you know, Tommy, Tommy Turbo, Cody Walker and, and Nathan Cleary. In what order? I'm not too sure because obviously uh, Nathan missed a few weeks through injury. Um, you know, Tommy Turbo could possibly miss, you know, a week or two through injury leading into the finals as well. So that might open the door for Cody Walker to to come in. And and I think he's sort of gone under the radar a bit, Cody Walker. And South have won 10 in a row. Um, and I've got no doubt that he would have polled uh, points in each one of those games. So uh, I think I think Tommy's a favourite, but I think um, Cody Walker's a sneaky chance of stealing it off him. Well, you mentioned a few ins and outs that we could see for round 23 there. It is four o'clock. Our teams have dropped. Let's have a look at how they'll line up for round 23, starting, of course, with Thursday night football. The Titans up against the Storm at Seabus Super Stadium, the Gold Coast side first. And AJ Brimson is out with a hairline fracture of the jaw. Does need surgery, but they're aiming to have him back for the first week of the finals. So Jaden Campbell, who's recovered from an ankle injury, comes into the side. Co-captain Jamal Fogarty is back in the halves with Toby Sexton dropping out of the 21. Aaron Wayne Clark makes his return at hooker with Mitch Rain dropping to the extended reserves bench. Tino Fasul Malaawi moves into the front row with Mo Fodawaka resting up, managing a bit of a knee complaint. He'll be back next week. David Fafita starts in the second row and Bo Firma moves to the bench. Jamal Fogarty and Philip Sami. We've said Jamal Fogarty is back in the lineup, and Sam McIntyre brings in some fresh legs. He's coming into the side at lock. 
Let's have a look at Melbourne now, who are looking for their 19th straight win. Halfback Jerome Hughes has played all but one game this season. He'll be rested after copping a high shot in round 22. So Nico Hines moves into the half. Cooper Johns comes onto the bench. That sees Ryan Pappenhausen regain his starting spot in the number one jersey. George Jennings comes onto one wing and Marion Seve is in the centres with Justin Olam earning a rest. Harry Grant will start and Brandon Smith gets the week off. Dale Finucane will get a rest this weekend after copping a knock to the head in round 22. So Chris Lewis moves into the starting side and Tepai Molroa and Jordan Grant come onto the bench. Looking at the Titans' side first, it's a heap of changes yeah. for both of those sides just quietly. How different a side are the Titans without AJ Brimson in both attack yeah. and defence, Noddy? Yeah, I think... You know, as good as Jaden Campbell is, and he looks like he's going to be a player of the future, um, Brimson's a quality state of origin player, um, so fast around the ball, and, and I would think would talk a lot more with because of just a bit more experience in, in helping set that defensive line. So the Titans have been better um, sort of the second half of the season. Obviously, Justin Holbrook's got control of them. They've fixed some of their defence deficiencies, but, you know, they get their captain back in Jamal Fogarty, which is a good... Good news for them. Uh, it's a big game. The Melbourne Storm are out to break a record, as you said, and they've got a number of players missing. But, um, yeah, the Titans are, again, they've got to focus on themselves because there's still a top eight chance that the Titans can sneak into that eight. And, you know, if you're playing Melbourne with all those players that are either A, being rested or two, being injured, then it's a good time to get them if there's ever a good time to get Melbourne. It is, and yet it's remarkable what that starting side, Robbie, still looks at, despite the fact that they've got a number of players either injured or rested at the moment. One of the big changes is Jerome Hughes. He's been a mainstay in this side throughout the season so far. He's only missed one game. What are you hoping to see from Nico Hines in that number seven jersey this weekend? Yeah, obviously Nico Hines has, has played a fair bit of 5'8 uh, this year for them as well, and I think he's earmarked to play in the, in the six jersey next year for the Sharks as well. So, look, I don't think his role will change too much between uh, halfback or five eight. They'll, they'll obviously play on either sides of the park, and and he should just slot in you know, pretty well there with Munster in the halves and and Pappenhausen back at one. And um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when when everybody's fully fit. Obviously, Nico Hines has been you know, really in great form for the last month or so for for the Storm and. With Pappenhausen back now, this is his first starting game back uh, since he had all those um, those head knocks. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which way they go there in terms of um, yeah, the personnel in their spine and the makeup of that when they get they get to the serious games in September. It's a good roster. It's a great roster that, that you know the Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm have been able to sign and keep. They're going to lose some players next year on on that record breaking run at the moment. That you potentially score 19 wins in a row, which will equal a pretty significant <laughs> record. Um, the one thing I think they'll, they'll, they might struggle a little bit with is just the kicking game. Jerome Hughes does the majority of the kicking for the Melbourne Storm, builds pressure. You can build pressure through a good kicking game. So it'd be interesting. Munster and Hines wouldn't be general game kickers too often. So it's up to those two to work out you know, when to kick the ball, how to kick the ball, where to finish the set of six. Because if the Titans get a sniff, then they're going to grow in confidence. The big thing is don't let them get a sniff. The Tigers have that ability, don't they, to step it yeah. up in those games. They play for small periods teams. of time. They're great, and look at that. You know, Tino playing against a former club. He'll be he'll be looking forward for a big match. Dave Fafita can do special things, and Fogarty's back in the side, hasn't played for a number of weeks. So there's plenty of talent still there. It's just that you get these sides around the the seventh to about twelfth teams where they get a small sniff and they go good for ten or fifteen minutes, and then when they, they get a setback, they lose thirty points. You yeah. can't do that against it, the storm. No. no. 
Let's head to Friday night footy now and our 6pm game to begin with. The Canberra Raiders up against the Manly Sea Eagles at Suncorp Stadium. Canberra looking for their second win over the Sea Eagles this season. For the Raiders, Jared Croker has not been named after suffering a head knock in the loss to the Storm. Seb Chris comes into the centres. Ryan Sutton starts at lock, coming in for CS Oliola. There's no Tom Starling who is missing with a broken jaw, but there's a major inclusion in jersey number 14, Charles Nickel Cookstar back from neck surgery and in line for his first game since round five. So awesome to see him named. The only other change sees Matt Frawley come into the 17. Corey Hadawit Oneida will miss the next three weeks because of suspension. For Manly Warringah, Tom Trebojevic has been named despite reports he'd be ruled out with a cheekbone issue. Centre Brad Parker suffered a concussion when he was hit high by Ryan Madison. He's being rested with Moses Suley joining Morgan Harper in the centres. Josh Alloyer is back in the starting side and Toff Sipley returns from suspension on the bench. Looking at the Raiders first and that inclusion of Nicol Cookstar, absolutely brilliant to see Noddy. He has been on the sidelines for an extended period. How long does it take him to work his way back into the kind of form that we know he's capable of? Yeah, well, I think, if, you know, most players would be in and around training for a couple of weeks. They do a lot of opposed sessions, a lot of, you know, team preparation. Uh, it'll be a matter of confidence, I suppose, and getting feeling back for the game. As you said, he hasn't played for such a long time. Um, great run of the ball, really quick, um, and returns the ball extremely extremely well for the Raiders. So I think you'll be excited to play. Uh, it's a good time of year to come back. It's an exciting time of the year. You're playing against Manly, who are flying at the moment. Um, they had great success w when they beat them a few weeks ago by just playing high percentage um, repeat sets through a short kicking game and, and lit pretty much powered through the middle and, and won the game of footy that way. So that's going to have to be the, the blueprint the Raiders will need to do, but they'll need to do it a lot better this time because Manly, I think, are a bit better than what they were on that night especially if Tommy Turbo does indeed play, Robbie, and he has been named. Do you think he'll play? And would you have been tempted to rest him a few weeks out from the finals? Yeah, I think obviously if it's an issue, then they will rest him. Um, they might, they must be quite confident uh, in the fact that he'll be okay because they've named him at fullback. And I can't really see uh, too many options there in the squad as a backup, whether they move uh, Ruby Garrick to, to fullback, maybe Dylan Walker can come into the starting side in the centres. Um, but yeah, I've heard that he might be okay. I heard that there was a an old um, metal plate in his in his cheekbone that that might have been flared up, and it's not actually a fracture. So, look, if, if he is um, in any doubt or or if he's any risk, I wouldn't take that risk with him this weekend. I think it's an unnecessary risk. Um, I'd have him in cotton wool. But um, if he's 100% ready to go, then then obviously they want to keep their momentum up leading into the finals. How different a side are they now, Noddy, to the one that we saw struggle without Tommy yep. Turbo earlier in the season? It's amazing what one player can do for a side. And, and I think he'll be, you know, the success that Manly get. And he makes all the other players better because of the confidence of Tommy. Obviously, we've seen the numbers, I think, the start of this year where I think they're about 14 points better off defensively. Well, 14 points difference as a team with, with, in defence and attack. So at the moment, Tom's the most influential player in the competition. Uh, he can win the games on his own. He plays centre in State of Origin, man of the match for State of Origin. Um, Jake's a better player when Tom's on the field. Kieran Foran's going good on that edge. Daly Trey Evans is much more creative when Tom's on the field. So he just makes everyone else uh, just grow in stature and grow as a player. That's a great trade as a player. Not many players in our game have had the ability to come in and change a side like Tom does. It doesn't matter what team he plays in. We play centre for State of Origin and he's the best on the field. To lift everyone around yeah. him, Robbie. So then could they rest him mm. and still finish in the top four? 
I think so. I think um, looking at their run home, they've obviously got the Cowboys and the Bulldogs to finish in the last two rounds. So um, now that that have one eye on the top four, they're obviously pushing for that spot. So um, if they can jag a win this week against the Raiders um, and possibly. Uh, you know, you'd rest him against the Bulldogs or, or against the Cowboys leading into the finals. You, you'd like to think they can win those games even without him. Um, but the top the top four is so crucial. I think it's a massive advantage uh, finishing in those top four positions. So uh, whilst uh, they're, yeah, they're not guaranteed that spot, I think you get Tommy out there and, and make sure they can get those win on, wins on the board. Does top four really... I know top four traditionally has been really important because of home and away and travel bits and pieces. They're all playing out of the same stadium, just about. There's no travel going on for state of, uh, for semi-finals. I think Manly, Manly, in some regards, if they finish fifth, that's probably not a bad thing because then they, they avoid the first week of playing a Melbourne or a Penrith or a South Sydney. And then the, whoever they play the second week is coming on the back of a loss and it's going to be a brutal game of football. So if you finish fifth yeah. this year, I know no one's won the competition outside the fourth. If you finish fifth this year, it actually could be a bonus for Manly. Dude. What do you what do you find with uh, the week off, Noddy? If you finish in the top four and, and win your semi, do you find it's a, an advantage there to have that that week off in the second week of the finals? I think most sides that have done that, they seem to be more energised for the grand final, don't they? Because they have that. They're not playing four weeks of tough football, and at the moment there's probably yeah. six or seven weeks of tough football because of how close the competition is. So it's a long stretch to keep going for. So maybe that week off leading into the between the semi the two semi finals helps the sides, uh, and, and if you've got yeah. an injury, you can rest those players in bits and pieces. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think, well, there's no travel. There's no home in the way advantage. Um, th- there's no home ground um, sleeping in your own beds. They're all living in hotels and all that type of stuff. So I just think for Manly, if they are able to stay fifth and, and sort of be out of the radar a little bit, knowing how Des would like them to stay out of the radar, they play a team that loses week one, and it's probably going to be a physical game that they lose. So then that could be a good thing for Manly to jump on the back of and try and sneak in the back door a little bit. Yeah. Well, while we're on massive top four clashes, let's have a look at our second Friday night game because this is a biggie as well. The Panthers are up against the Rabbitohs. An 8.05pm kickoff at Suncorp Stadium for Penrith. There's a number of big ins for the Panthers. Appy Corusau returns from a one-week ban, so Mitch Kenny moves into Jersey 14. Kurt Capewell is also back from suspension but by the bench. James Fisher-Harris and Tavita Pangai Jr. have been named but only on an extended bench at this stage. We'll see what Ivan Cleary does with the pair closer to Friday night. Viliami Kikau will line up despite suffering a cheekbone issue in that win over the Dragons. For South Sydney, Wayne Bennett has named a full-strength side revved up and ready to go. Alex Johnston is back from a hamstring injury, so Josh Mansour shifts to the right wing. The Rabbitohs get their two first-choice centres back, with Dane Gagai returning from his own hamstring issue and Campbell Graham in for his first game since round 18. There's only one other change sees Hamasele making his way back from a calf strain with Jaden Sewer losing his spot in the 17. Now, you guys were just talking about the importance, or indeed otherwise, of that top four and perhaps even fifth spot on the ladder. These are two teams who likely finish second and third on the ladder. If you're the coach, Noddy, heading into this one, what's your approach? Is it a case of keeping your cards close to your chest or do you want that victory this close to finals? No, I think you want the victory for psychological bonus. If you listen to what Wayne Bennett has been saying the last few weeks, he's changed his tune a little bit after a match about, yes, we're playing well, yes, we're a good side, yes, Cody Walker's on fire, yes, we're doing our job. So I think the positive talk now from Wayne is reinforcing to his players that they're a genuine contender to win the competition this year. They're just going to keep backing up. Defensively, they're a lot better the last few weeks. So, uh, And, you know, Wayne will say they're playing the style of football that we're capable of playing. So I, I don't think, you know... 
defensive, these sides are, and in the NRL, the good sides, they've got defensive traits, attacking traits. You know what they're going to do. It's just a matter of trying to stop it. So this will be bragging rights. This will be a little bit of um, win this match when they're both teams have got their full rosters available, which they both have, win this match and then knowing that you're going to play them potentially in three weeks' time and go, hey, last time we beat you, psychologically, we've got that little bit of a bonus over you. Especially considering what happened back in round 11, 56-12, the Panthers got the win in this one. So, Robbie, from mm. a Rabbitohs perspective, how important is it for them psychologically to show how much has changed in that time? Well, it's a great test for the Rabbitohs this week. As you said, they, they got beat by 50 the last time they played, and since then the Rabbitohs have won 10 in a row. Um, so they want to see how far they've come, how much, how much they've improved, and, and really test themselves against a, a Penrith side that's starting to get back to, to full fitness. Uh, obviously, Cleary's back, and a lot of their troops are coming back now. So um, it's a great test for the Rabbitohs. Uh, whilst they've won 10 in a row, I don't think they've had a big scalp within those, you know, those 10 games. They've gone about their business and... You know, they've won games they're probably expected to win, but uh, this is really going to be a, a great litmus test, list, litmus test for them this um, this Friday night against against the Panthers. In eight of those ten games that Robbie has just mentioned, the Rabbitohs scored thirty points yeah. or more. So how did the Panthers stop them? And and do they show? what their plan is to shop, stop them in this game. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm not sure whether they'll score 30 points in this match. I think this will be a great defensive match. It'll be a high-quality semi-final stop of football, end-to-end, -end, really fast. Um, and I think there'll be minimal line breaks in the game, even though, as you said, they've scored 30 points in eight of those 10 matches that have gone on the win now. So... Um, the top two defensive teams generally play in the grand final. You know, the, the, the success is built on how well you defend and then the attacking flair is very, you know, both sides have got great attacking flair, but defensively it's going to be a big focus for both coaches. They'll want to defend the house down and not let too many easy tries in. The quality of attack will score tries, but it's, you know, a big focus defensively not to let too many opportunities go too easy. Have the popcorn ready. That is going yeah. to be an absolute cracker, I reckon, on Friday night. Let's head to Saturday afternoon football now and our 3pm kickoff at Brown Park. The West Tigers up against the Sharks. Must-win game, really, for both sides. Let's have a look at West's first. Jacob Little is suspended and Jake Simkin moves into the starting side at hooker. Thomas Michele is out as well, so very good timing for James Tamo to return from a foot injury. And James Roberts comes onto the bench. For Cronulla, our thoughts are with Andrew Fafita and his family after Andrew suffered a really nasty throat injury in the clash with Newcastle last weekend. Andrew is in hospital. He'll undergo surgery today. And, Andrew, we're thinking of you and sending our good wishes. Looking at that lineup, Sifa Talakai moves into the second row and Maweni Hiroti is in the centres. Braden Ueli drops to the bench, so Toby Rudolph comes into the front row and Jack Williams moves to lock. Teague Wilton comes onto the bench. Prop Aidan Tolman has taken an early guilty plea for a dangerous contact charge. He'll miss one game. Robbie, you absolutely howled me down a couple of weeks ago when I dared to suggest that maybe the finals were a bridge too far for the Tigers this season. How are you feeling now? Because you're very close to breaking into that eight. Are you daring to dream at this stage? Oh, not not yet. Um, you know, the three games to go. Obviously, this is a big one. I think the the winner of this, uh, the loser of this game, you can put a line through them. Uh, obviously, the, the Sharks and the Tigers are on the same amount of points, and both clubs need to win the three remaining games to give themselves a chance of making the finals. So, uh, this is the first of of three semi-finals. Um, yeah, so the, the semis have come early for the Tigers and the Sharks. But, look, I think um, whilst the Tigers got away with a win last week, I think it was a, 
I, I tell you what, it was a bludger of a game to watch. The um, the Tigers and the Cowboys. There was yeah, so many errors from both both teams, and it was a really poor quality match. So the Tigers have to be a lot better against the Sharks this weekend, who are, are coming off a, a loss last week to the Knights as well. Plenty of mistakes in that game too, just quietly between the Sharkies and the Knights. The Sharks will be well aware that this is getting to do or die stage for them too. Do you think the emotion of the Andrew Fafida injury, the severity of it, does that have an emotional impact on the team this week? Well, I think they care about a teammate. He's been around the club for a long, long while as a premiership winner there. and um, So I think the, the players will be having a little bit of, hopefully that he's, he's healthy is certainly perfect or will become perfect after the surgery as you said you know it's it didn't look like much happened in the game and then obviously the, you know when you hear someone getting pushed put into a coma and um, then having surgery and we're unsure what's going to happen so I think it'll have a, a small distraction to the players with the, with the care of Andrew Fafita um, once the weekend comes and you get ready to play and you go out in the park um, you know obviously it's it's the season's on the line. As Robbie said, both these sides need to win. If you lose, you can pretty much mathematically put a line through you making the semi-finals. Um, they were pretty poor last week, the Sharks, and you know, and it was uh, probably both sides played pretty poor in, in in the game. But it's funny, like since Sean Johnson got injured, they just haven't had that spark and attack. And I know, you know, Connor, Connor Tracy's played every position there is, and Braden Trindle's a young kid and a good game manager, but they just lost that spark a little bit in the attack. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned, mentioned the attack because defensively the Sharkies have been struggling as well. They've missed more tackles this season than any other team yeah. in the competition. What causes that, Noddy? Well, yeah, well, that's something that they've got to fix, isn't it, very quickly. That's, again, that's why the top sides are the best defensive teams and then their attack comes on the back of being able to defend and build pressure, not let easy tries in, not miss tackles. Um, you know, as you said, not shooting out of the line, not tackling effectiveness. What happens when you start missing a lot of tackles is obviously they get a lot of six-to-go calls. It's a lot of unstructured defensive line. You're scrambling to get back on side. You're making poor choices. You know, it's something, I suppose, if you can say why did they struggle a bit last year, it would have been because some of their edges made poor choices at the wrong times. But that's, that's the inconsistency of the sides that aren't the top five sides. There's, there's 11 sides that do that, that miss tackles and make poor defensive reads. That's why their team's... One to five are so good, and then there's team six to team sixteen that are all struggling. They're all pretty much got the same habits or the same bad habits to get out of. Yeah, the difference. That game in Rockhampton. Let's head back to the Gold Coast now for our next Saturday game, and that one sees the Bulldogs take on the Knights. It is a 5:30 p.m. kickoff at Seabus Super Stadium for the Doggies. Corey Allen comes back onto the wing after missing Sunday's match with a virus. Nick Meany will need to pass concussion protocols to take his place at fullback. Jake Avarillo has been named after being cleared of a suspected broken hand. Lachlan Lewis is on standby on an extended bench. Kyle Flanagan does get another chance at halfback and Bailey Biondi Odo. Luke Thompson is back from suspension at prop while Jackson Topene replaces Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. Looking at the Newcastle Knights side first, Daniel Saifidi is out for three to five weeks and we'll have a look at that lineup. David Clemmer comes off the bench. He joins Jacob Saifidi in the front row. Tyson Brazell is missing from the second row with Brody Jones coming into the starting side. Chris Randall and Gira Momosia join the interchange bench. All right, on the Bulldogs, and we've talked some season stats, and I feel like it is getting to that time of the year where we do it to a number of sides. I feel bad, like I'm putting the boot in here. But they've had a great completion rate this year. It is right up there with the best in the NRL. It's clearly 
that last tackle option, Noddy, that is letting them down. The issues still exist there in attack. What have they got to lose with three rounds to go? Do they start to throw caution to the wind and really go for it in an attacking sense? No, I, I think what you're starting to see is Trent Barrett's style of football that, that he wants them to play. He's trying to turn them into the Penrith attacking shape and structure. Um, they just aren't the same Ferraris and aren't the same quality players as what Penrith have got at the Dogs. That's obviously what Trent Barrett wants his side to become, that style of football. Um, the tackle five is really important. If you, you know, tackle five finishes where you build pressure re- compared to relieving pressure, um, what kick options you come up with. There's also a number that says you can have the highest completion rate in the competition, but when you don't create anything or don't look like making a line break, then the numbers can lie because, as you said, they've got one of the best completion rates in the competition, and at no stage does it look like they're going to score a try. The ball doesn't go too far apart from one or two passes. There's minimal leg speed. Um, so I'm not too sure. It's obviously Trent Barrett's got a, a plan and he was the attack coach at Penrith and they did very, very well in turning that side around. Um, maybe next year when they get some better players, potentially it'll be questionable whether they can take and copy what Penrith do. Uh, sometimes I always find it, you've got to create your own style when you go to a club. You can't mirror image another style when you go to that club. And a reference to that is when Stephen Kearney left the Melbourne Storm, he went to Parramatta and tried to bring everything that Melbourne Storm did to Parramatta. He lasted three years because they couldn't do what the Melbourne Storm did, because it's the Melbourne Storm habits, mm. not the Parramatta habits that we borrow off Melbourne. So it's now saying that Canterbury shouldn't be able to play exactly the same as Penrith, because it's not, it's Penrith. It's Penrith players and Penrith coaching, not in the Canterbury. Find your own way. And it takes time as well to discover that and to build that culture as well. From a Knights perspective, Robbie, they're missing Daniel Saifidi with that MCL injury. He has been epic for the Knights this year. What do they need to see from the likes of David Clemmer to really combat and to beat the Dogs' big boppers in the battle up the middle? Yeah, it's a a huge loss, isn't it? Daniel Saifidi's turned himself into probably one of the premier competitions in the world, to be honest. but then when you can bring in a player like David Clemmer, who's, who's I'm sure has been pretty filthy, been on the bench for the last couple of months. So, yeah, he comes into the starting side with a point to prove. Um, yeah, he's obviously a seasoned campaigner. He's a, he's a, a former rep player, so not a bad replacement to bring into the starting side. Um, but they'll also miss uh, the leadership and, and quality of Tyson Frizzell on the on the edge there as well. So a big ask for the, for the Knights this week, missing two of their senior forwards. Um, in a side they're expected to, uh, against a side they're expected to beat. So um, they want to build on last week's performance. I think now they've they've got one foot um, in the door for the the top eight, and I think a win this week against the Dogs will, will cement that. They've got quite an easy run home. So you know, hopefully they can cover the loss of Daniel Saifidi and Tyson Frizzell um, and get them back in time for the semifinals. And with their for and against, they'll know they do need to get those Ws on the board, that's for sure. All right, let's have a look at the 7.35pm kickoff now on Saturday night. The Eels taking on the Cowboys. This one at Seabus Super Stadium as well. Brad Arthur has made two changes to the back line. Will Penasini comes into the centres for Tom Opacic and Hayes Dunster replaces Michael Oldfield on the wing. Ryan Madison won't play before finals after accepting a three-match ban for the high shot on Brad Parker. Murata Niakore comes into the second row and Oregon Kafusi comes onto the bench after missing last week with a head knock. The Cowboys, the team, the Cowboys have named Kyle Felt despite a jaw issue and a head knock, while Cohen Hess is set to start at lock despite a head knock of his own. There's two big names on the extended bench. Captain Jason Taumalolo is a chance to return from a broken hand, as is Hamaso Tabuai Fido. He's missed the last four matches with appendicitis. Ruben Cotter is back from a foot injury, replacing suspended forward Griffin Mooney. 
All right, the Eels first. And when the teams headed north, not that long ago, Noddy, although in some ways it feels like a very long time, we talked about the fact that the ones with a really great culture would mm. thrive in that new environment. And perhaps the ones where there are a few cracks appearing behind the scenes might struggle. Is that what we have seen happen to the Eels over the last month or so of footy? I think you've seen a side that lose confidence, lose belief in their defensive system. Uh, their halfback was injured on the back of a state of origin performance, which meant you know, they had to bring in you know, young Jacob Arthur, so they lost a bit of form. Reid Marnie's unavailable now for the rest of the year. So there's been a few challenges that have been thrown towards Parramatta. Um, they carry the, the probably the, the baggage from last year or, or, or the doubts from last year. They did a very similar thing last year where they were the top, top two side basically right up to about four weeks before the semi-finals and then they started getting a bit nervous and defending poor and then the Melbourne Storm absolutely blew them away in the semi-final and that exposed a lot of defence deficiencies on the edge. Um, the start this year, it looked like they'd improved some of that. Um, now at the moment, they're in, they're in a huge world of hurt. They've got poor defensive reads. Brad Arthur looked a bit lost after the game. Maybe we're over coaching them and doing too much. We'll pull back a bit. They make poor defensive decisions. That's only going to get worse with the more pressure that comes on you. You, you know, we talk about being jumpy. Well, you've had all year. You've had from last year to now to fix that. So, um, and everyone's talking about it. I watched the show yesterday that, um, inside the NRL with Zach, and it was basically about is it the system or the players? You know, everyone's talking about Parramatta, and now Brad Fittler's been mentioned as a potential replacement coach for Parramatta. So there is a lot of outside, out, outside noise, um, and I'm not sure how they handle it. And they've got, Robbie, the Panthers and the Storm in the next two weeks on the way into finals. So how important yeah. is this game then against the Cowboys to rebuild some of that confidence? It is. I think we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago about their tough run home and they were playing the top four sides in their last five games and that would be a great test for them, uh, not only to, to cement their spot in the top four, but also psychologically for them to show that they can compete against the best sides in the competition. And and so far, um, they've shown that they haven't been able to compete. I think last week was was quite uh, embarrassing for them. It sort of unraveled, unraveled in front of their eyes and um, just their confidence, their body language, as you can see there, standing behind the trial line, you know, heads heads on the ground, uh, not much talk going on. They just look a shadow of the team they were earlier in the season. Uh, a lot of outside noise, like Noddy said, uh, rumours about the coach, about uh, yeah, the captain's contract situation. You know, uh, Mitch Moses, yeah, is he still injured? Uh, he looks like um, a shadow of himself since he's come back. He's not kicking goals as well. So, you know, is he still um, hindered by that back injury as well? So, um, massive, massive game for them this week in a game where uh, they're expected to win um, and you'd expect them to beat the Cowboys, but the Cowboys aren't just going to roll over and, and and give them the two points. So, uh, yeah, they need to start building some confidence this week going going into the last two games against quality oppositions and then, and then the semifinals. Otherwise, uh, their season will be over before they know it. Cowboys are desperate for a yeah. win as well, Noddy. They've lost nine in a row. I want to ask you about Tom Dearden. He headed north after a really tough run at the Broncos. It hasn't been smooth sailing for him in Townsville either. When you're working with a young half like that, what do you do? How do you get him back playing his best footy? Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. And I think Todd Payton, you know, is probably the biggest halfback that ever played the game. And I think so Todd's a very good coach and understands the, the game management, the structure. We saw the consistency he got from the Warriors last year. So... 
Um, you're right. It's, it's a tough ask for a young kid. I, I watched a great story on him a few weeks ago where he, t- he was a Jonathan Thurston fan. He got his debut jersey handed to him at the Cowboys by Jonathan Thurston, and he wants to carry that jumper with great legacy. So he's got some passion and motivation and, and good drive. Um, but as you said, he's had a horrendous year. You know, even when he was at the Broncos, he, I don't think he won a game of football that he started in, and now he's at the Cowboys, and he hasn't been able to find a win. So um, kicking game's really important. I'd be telling the kid to run the ball. You know, forget sometimes about the shape and structure and actually just start running the ball and, and you'll start playing yourself back into a bit of form. So, you know, sometimes we can be too structured and too mechanically and too many things in our head. Just just let the kids go out there and sometimes play football and see what's in front of them. And But the first thought would be, mate, just have a few runs to start the match. Just get yourself into the game and then see how it goes from there. And I think Scott, Scott Drinkwater is a quality player as well. So I actually think there's a chance the Cowboys... Actually, not a chance. I think the Cowboys will beat the Parramatta side this week. On the, the desperation that the Cowboys have shown, I know they've lost nine in a row, but they've been heartbroken at the end of the summer matches. It hurts for them that they're going so bad. So this is an opportunity for them to see a side that's going really bad and got some, all these deficiencies and all these problems. And, and actually, the hard work that the Cowboys will be, uh, have been putting in, it'll come to faith next year. Like I, This year's over for them in bits and pieces. But I think, and again, what hurts the Cowboys is I think they're the worst defensive team in the competition. But I think there's a chance that they can beat Parramatta. Massive call. That'll be a very big game. Let's head to Toowoomba now and Sunday afternoon football. Our 2 p.m. kickoff, the Dragons up against the Roosters. Let's have a look at St George Illawarra first. And Anthony Griffin has again swung the changes for a must-win clash. Matt Dufty returns at fullback, so Jack Bird switches to his regular spot at centre. Jared Beale is out of the side. It's a new halves pairing. Talatau Mone will start at 5'8 for the first time. Corey Norman moves from 6 to 7, and Adam Clune is dropped to 18th man. There's changes in the front row with Andrew McCulloch out for the season. Josh Maguire plays hooker. Kate Ellis and Jack DeBellin join him in the front row. Tarek Sims makes a welcome return from suspension at lock. For the visitors, technically speaking, after being rested from the win over the Broncos, Jared Maria Hargraves makes a welcome return at prop. Isaac Liu shifts to lock with Victor Radley accepting a three-match ban for dangerous contact on Albert Kelly. The only other change sees Ben Thomas come onto the bench. The Dragons, five losses in a row. It has been a really tough run for them. Some of it of their own doing, you'd have to say, in terms of off-field issues. But we've also seen the pressure building on Corey Norman. Mm. He, by no means, is he's only one part of the Dragons' struggles at the moment. How many options do they have to play with in the halves right now, Noddy? Well, they've got lots of options. That's probably the problem. They keep switching keep changing and, and picking and not, not picking and sticking in bits and pieces. And I, I think the future, you know, obviously with Ben Hunt um, also not available. Corey Norman has been told he's, he's not a part of the future there next year. So, um, you know, you use Corey Norman with because he's a good, really good player, Corey Norman. But um, the closer it probably gets to the end of the year and him not having a club and not sure where he's going. And as you said, the form slump, um, it, it'd be really hard for him. So I'd be thinking, you know, Jaden Sullivan, a great young kid, put him in with some excitement and say, hey, mate, you're... you're not about don't worry about this year, but you're our future. You're our future that we want you to play with Ben Hunt and going forward. We've got these great young kids, Amoni, all these kids that come through that Jersey flag competition a number of years ago and had great success. This is where you put them in now. There's no pressure on the Dragons at all at the moment to say, hey, go in there and, and, and show some excitement. And what a young kid will bring is actually some enthusiasm and some excitement because it's a great time of year to still be a football player and they are still in contention for the eight. No fear, these young kids, they, they make mistakes, they move on, they don't care too much anymore. But I, I think it's the only time where Anthony Griffin just goes, you know what, let's just, it's a here for the future of the kids. And if it doesn't work this year, then they've got more experience in big games. 
On the enthusiasm front, Robbie, Victor Radley brings so much of that <laughs> to any team that he plays in. The Roosters will be missing Victor Radley and Angus Crichton for the next couple of weeks. That's a big hole to fill. Who are you looking to step up? And as Noddy says, bring some of that enthusiasm that is so crucial to any team. Yeah, it's two massive losses, both those players, uh, key members of their forward pack, especially when they're missing so many senior players already. So it leaves a massive void for the Roosters. I think it's quite unfortunate that, that Victor's got three weeks for that challenge. Obviously, there was no uh, malice intended. I think he was obviously just uh, desperately trying to, you know, stop the field goal attempt. Um, and his follow-through obviously has taken out, t- taken out the legs of the player. So um, unfortunate for him that, you know, with all his carryover points and, and uh, loading that uh, it's it's uh, obviously resulted in him getting a, a three-week ban. But uh, in, in terms of who they're going to you know, look to, I think you know, your senior players, obviously, um, you know, Tupanua, uh, Taukiaho, those guys that are uh, international, Taukiaho's international forward, Tupanua now is a, a mainstay in their forward pack as well. Um, and then you look to guys like Nat Butcher, who um, you know, probably wouldn't generally get as much game time uh, if those players are, are playing. But now that they're missing, I'm sure he'll get a lot more minutes on the field and, and they'll have to lead by example in the middle of the park there for the Roosters. But, yeah, in a game where, um, you know, they're going to be expected to win, but, you know, they've been below their best for a while now, the Roosters, and they were quite fortunate to get away with a win last week against the Broncos. So um, not only the result this week is important, but I think for Trent Robinson, he'll be looking for a good performance from inside this weekend. Let's head to Suncorp Stadium now and our final game of the round. The Broncos up against the Warriors, 4.05pm kickoff on Sunday Arvo. And Kevy Walters welcomes back Herbie Farnworth from illness. He comes into the centres and David Mead drops to the bench. Tyson Gamble accepted a two-match ban for a crusher tackle, so Anthony Milford will start at 5.8 in one of his last games as a Bronc. Danny Levi is named at hooker, but he'll need to pass concussion protocols this week to line up. Jake Turpin could be a late inclusion, named in Jersey 21 after missing the last two weeks with an ankle injury. Ethan Bullimore comes onto the bench after Xavier Willison suffered a season-ending knee injury. All right, let's have a look at their opposition, the Warriors. Dallin Watene's Lesniak is back from suspension for what will be his 150th NRL match. Chanel Harris-Tavita has been named but will need to pass concussion protocols to play. If he isn't right to go, Chad Townsend could return from a shoulder injury having not played since round 19. There's two changes to the forward pack. Jermaine Tonell-Brown is promoted from the bench. Bailey Sirenen comes into the side at lock, so Jazz Tavaga drops to the woodwork. Brisbane still not winning a whole heap of games, but let's have a look at the positives for me here, Noddy. They're not getting blown out of the water either. When Kevy looks back at his first year in charge and how far the Broncos have come in 2021, are there signs of green shoots there? Yeah, well, definitely. Well, they got the wooden spoon last year. For a powerhouse club, they get the wooden spoon. Uh, 1988, they come in the competition. They've got all the resources in the world. They have so many kids, they were hiding up there and they've got this talent pool of players. And all of a sudden, for them to get the wooden spoon, was it, it was pretty embarrassing for a club of that stature to get. So they definitely have improved. And as you said, there was multiple matches at the start of this year where you go, it doesn't look like they're trying the Broncos. But now that they're getting the fight, as Robbie just said, you know, they, they led this match against the Roosters, the Roosters last week. They're actually a chance of winning, but just probably didn't know how to finish the match off or the class of the match. So I think Kevin Waters has done a really good job. And I, st- I think leaving, coming from last and finishing 12th, that's still an improvement. That's still getting best out of your players. We obviously know there's a new CEO, there's a new football manager now. They're making better business decisions on players and what they're offering some players. Um, and, you know, I actually think Anthony Milford will, will go 
reasonably well when he comes back. And I think Tessie New is a really good player. And I think Milford and Tessie New could actually strike up a pretty good combination. They're, you know, Milford now knows where he's going. He's going to South Sydney next year. He's, he's, he's got to come in and show something. So I think there's a, it's a great opportunity for Milford to come back in and, and prove, if, not prove people wrong, but just to show that he still has a future in the NRL. So I think Kevy's done well for the Broncos. The Broncos are showing that resilience and the Warriors absolutely have it in spades, Robbie. They've got a better for and against than the Tigers, I'm sorry to say to you mm. in particular. And they finished with three eminently winnable games to finish the season. So when you look at their run home against the Broncos, the Raiders and the Titans, how do you feel? Can they win those last three games? I think they can. I think they can, um, and I think they'll sneak into the top eight um, if they do. Uh, it's a big week for them this week. Obviously, off the back of three wins um, and coming up against the Broncos side, that's a vastly different side than what they were a couple of months ago. Uh, that'll be a great challenge for them this week. But I think if they can get that win this weekend, and then uh, you know, the confidence of four wins in a row going into the Raiders and the Titans to finish, I think they'll give themselves a chance of, of sneaking into that eighth position. And if they can do that, that will be a massive. Massive story and a massive achievement for the club, considering the the injuries I've had this year, uh, the players that have that have come in halfway through the year, the disruptions I've had living away from home uh, at the Central Coast and being moved from the Central Coast up to Queensland. Um, their inspirational captain and, and leader Roger Tuivasa-Shek leaving the club um, a couple of weeks ago. If they can make the eight, uh, that'll be the story of the year for me. That would be a remarkable yeah. achievement for Nathan Brown and this Warriors side. It, it is. And it, it starts to think, OK, start thinking about what the top eight looks like next year and how hard it's going to be to make next year's top eight. Because if we think the Warriors are improving, because Nathan Brown's had them for one year now, they'll be better with a, a, a more settled off-season. Um, you obviously talk about the, the Broncos are improving. They're going to finish about 12th or 13th at the moment. But they're a chance next year with Adam Reynolds coming into the side that they could make the eight. Um, the Titans have, with Justin Holbrook now been at the reins for, for half, three quarters of the season, how much improvement have the Titans got? It just makes the competition so much closer again, which is a great thing for the NRL and, and a, a good thing. But unfortunately, I don't think they win this match. Yeah, he's just, no, just pour, pour, pour <laughs> cold water all over it. But no, they've done great. It, Roger Tulvashashek leaving a few weeks ago as well. Yeah. Like the captain goes home to, to be able to get home before the borders close because he's going off to rugby. And they've, they've found so much resilience. And it's good that they've actually gone forward on what Todd Payton did for the club last year. You know, they have they sacrificed most last year in the competition to keep the competition going. They were really consistent. And it's actually nice that they haven't just fallen way back down to the bottom of the ladder again. And even though you've absolutely hosed down some of our excitement there, it has been a remarkable season from yeah. them regardless. Robbie, I can hear you it trying to jump talk, in. Talk, oh, sorry, I was just talking about teams improving next year. You know, the Warriors will be back at home next year yeah. uh, as well. So what a massive boost that'll be for them. They actually get to play in front of their, their home fans uh, at their stadium uh, to consider what they've done in the last two seasons, uh, not you know, being away from home, how much better they're going to be next year playing out of Mount Smart Stadium. Absolutely, a huge amount to be proud of and a huge few games coming up for you this weekend in round 23. You can, of course, catch all of the action on Fox Sports, on KO, on Channel 9, on Sky Sports New Zealand and on Watch NRL for our international viewers. Now, I let you guys off lightly. We haven't had a look at any round 22 predictions, but I would love to hear what's your prediction? What's the headline coming out of round 23? Well, because of the disappointment of not being able to do a prediction last week, <laughs> I'm going to go way out. So I'm going to burst the Warriors bubble and say the Broncos Broncos win. I think the Cowboys will win against Parramatta, which will be shattering yeah. for the Parramatta fans. I think South Sydney also beat Penrith. I think there's a couple of big upsets this weekend.
Nice one. All right, Robbie, what do you think? Um, I'll go against Noddy and I say the Warriors will win and unfortunately for my Tigers, I think they'll sneak into the top eight. Is that just so that we're making sure that one of you get a tip right for next week? Is that what we've yeah. just named? <laughs> we're hedging our bets. <laughs> yeah. so. Beautifully done. Yeah. It's only taken us 23 rounds to get there. It is awesome yeah. to see you both. Take care this week and enjoy the footy this weekend. Can't wait. It'll be good. Thanks, guys. We'll Thank, Thank you for joining us as well. Stay safe wherever you're watching. Enjoy the footy. And we'll see you right back here on NRL Teams next Tuesday.